With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Monday Buckeye Talk, and it is a Market Down Monday. We're marking down a prediction for the 2023 Ohio State football season, and we're getting right to it. We're we're getting off to a flying start. We are gonna mark down how many receiving yards we think Marvin Harrison Jr. will have. In the 2023 football season, Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We like doing these Market Down Mondays, Nathan. Was your idea for these? It puts us on the spot to be specific. Of course, they're easier to do the closer you get to the season. But the reason I think we should be comfortable with doing MHJ in early June, I don't know. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be, so I guess that matters. <laughs> And I guess we don't 1,000% know exactly like who the play caller is going to be throughout the season, which I guess that matters. So I was going to say, I think we're comfortable doing it because I think we have the information that we need to make the prediction, but it turns out maybe we don't. But does it matter? Because this is clearly a prediction and a projection based on the skill and talent of Marvin Harrison Jr., which we know is immense. But it also obviously is not only that. It is about the people around him. It is about pass protection. It is about the guy throwing the ball. It is about the other receivers that are options. It is about the offensive philosophy that Ohio State chooses to employ. Do you think there could be major changes in how we view those other things that what we're marking down here in early June, by the time we get to September, could it change enough for us to think, oh, man, I went way high in June. I don't think that anymore. Or for us to think, ah, man, I soft-pedaled it in June. Like, I think they are ready to roll. Because I don't think our opinion of Marv is going to change, Nathan. Right. But could our opinion of this prediction prediction change a lot on other things? I don't know about a lot, but somewhat, yeah. It definitely could change. Uh, and I think that especially relates to things that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, the, the, the run-pass balance especially. If this is a team that decides because it's a new quarterback, because of the makeup of this offensive line, that they lean just a little bit more on the run, then that obviously affects the targets for every receiver in this offense. And on top of that, we also have the unknown of exactly how other teams will defend Marvin Harrison Jr. 
because as much as he was a very, very, very known commodity by the middle or end of last season, now you've had a whole off season. Now you've had a year of, of a whole off season of steady for these other teams, the game planning and everything. So how do they decide to attack him in a different way, defend him in a different way? How does Ohio state counter punch off of that? There are some things that we can only sort of imagine right now. And if, if they go to one extreme or the other it could change statistically what Marvin Harrison Jr. Looks like in 2023. But I think the important thing to remember about Marvin Harrison Jr. And this was true of, of Jackson Smith and Jigba to some extent, if even a, a, a different extent, because it's a different position slightly in the offense, but the gravity that he has, he is such a, a player that the yards can sometimes be secondary um, that he is, he is affecting the game on every snap, whether he gets a ball thrown to him or not. Steven, do you think you might feel very differently about this situation in September than you do now? And, and here's the main thing, right? I think as we sit here right now, our assumption is they'll have good quarterback play. We're not 100% sure who it's going to be, but we think it'll be pretty good. Will it be C.J. Stroud year two? Probably not. But I think we have a good, it'll be good quarterback play. Do you think that like that especially, because that really, right, as I, I have a list here, like what are the things that would affect the, what we're marking down here, Stephen? The quarterback play is high on that list. How much do you think your opinion of the quarterback play could be affected by what we see in August? Are you pretty sure that like you think now it'll be good? August will show it'll be good, and that's not going to have a huge effect on this. I just think the quarterback play will be good, but also I I did have that thought in my head of like, how bad does a quarterback play have to be for Marvin Harrison Jr. to not have at least a thousand yards? But he's that good. You know, like uh, to, to reference another Ohio State receiver, Garrett Wilson's quarterback situation in New York last year was um, a blank show, to say the least. And he still had a thousand yards. So it's like Mar and Marvin Harrison Jr. is better than him, with all due respect to my best friend. Uh, so like he's Marvin Harrison Jr. He's going to have at least 1,000 yards. Now, it might not, depending on the quarterback play, is how pretty it looks or whether it becomes record-breaking, but I think his floor is a stat with a comma in it because he's Marvin Harrison Jr. And even if teams try to take him away, we've seen it at other positions. Like Joey Bosa had like, you know, he was awesome as a sophomore and then his counting numbers sucked because they triple and quadruple teamed him all year, his junior year. But we haven't seen that at receiver yet because Garrett and Chris were awesome in 2019 and they were, and then they were awesome in 2020 and what would have been thousand yard seasons in normal years. And then they were just awesome again in 2021 with this situation though. I think the difference is Garrett and Chris also had a new variable who ended up being even better than they were in Jackson Smith, the Jigba and Jackson Smith, the Jigba, had he not gotten hurt, he's got the new variable of it. Like, Hey, Marvin Harrison Jr. is Marvin Harrison Jr. There's no Jackson Smith, the Jigba or Marvin Harrison Jr. Who's going to be new to the weapons. All the weapons are the same. So I would just assume everybody's floor is some version of what they were last year. So Marvin Harrison Jr., for the record, had 1,263 receiving yards last season. That was the fourth most in Ohio State history. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 1,606 in 2021. David Boston, 1,435 in 1998. Terry Glenn, 1,411 in 1995. And by the way, fifth all time is what Emeka Abuka did last season, 1,151. 
That's your top four in Ohio State history. I will say the idea of he'll have at least a thousand. I didn't even. That to me is like that's an injury question yeah. to me. That's the only thing there. And I did send out very specific survey categories, like how many yards do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. will have? I under one thousand was the most pessimistic. Two percent, Nathan said under one thousand. That is that is only a. I, and again, he only had 263 more than that last year. It's not like he's coming off a 2,000-yard season. But I just, I don't even know what a Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, Emeka Ebuka def- defenses put two guys on him. I still don't think any of that would equal under 1,000. Right. Well, now in 2021, Olave and Wilson combined for less than 2,000 yards. So that that reality exists. But why did that happen? Because you had Jackson Smith the Jigba emerge as this guy who, in the slot especially, was kind of eating up all these yards, and especially in some of the bigger games. And then Olave and Wilson didn't finish their seasons either. Like they, mm-hmm. they only played uh, 12 games for Olave, 11 for Wilson, correct? Yeah. So. So that was also a factor, but it, it largely, I mean, Harrison is still going to be the primary weapon in this offense. And while the it's, it'll be interesting debate. Maybe as we go along here, does having a new young, less proven quarterback, make it more or less likely that Harrison gets targeted a lot. Does having a first time offensive play caller make it more or less likely that Marvin Harrison Jr. gets targeted a lot? Does it make no difference, but does it lean one way or the other because of that's exactly who the the new person might try to lean on. So I, the only way it would happen is if there were someone else who emerged, who was, was so prolific that, it, it took away from the production of Marvin Harrison Jr. That doesn't really seem to be in the cards for this offense. Do we think there's any way that a Mecca has more receiving yards, Stephen, than Marvin? If both play a similar number of games and are similarly healthy, is that on the table? Yes, especially since Mecca is in this. I mean, he wasn't that far behind him this year, and it's like it been for in a Mecca. Actually, for a while, was maybe a little bit more consistent. It's just quieter because, like, Marvin's got some games in there where he had like three or four. There was the first couple of weeks of the year, Emeka was like consistently five or six catches for over a hundred yards. So I could see that world where maybe there is a week where I mean, you don't stop Marvin Harrison Jr. He's Marvin Harrison Jr., but you can contain him. And so I can see a game similar to the Wisconsin game where maybe he has three catches for forty-five yards, and whoever the quarterback is is just hitting Emeka. Over the middle, hitting a Mac over the middle. He's got bubble screens. He's got the, the the pop passes, and you look up and it's like, oh, Ameka didn't do anything flashy, but he has eleven catches for one hundred and fifteen yards and two touchdowns. That's that's a feasible thing because the slot position here has historically led this team in you know counting numbers just because of how they get the ball. Yeah, Abuka led had, had a higher. Uh... Yards per reception last year, he had a, a significantly higher yards after the catch per reception, like three yards per catch. So I think it's very plausible that Ibuka leads his team in receiving yards. And then we're talking about what, like, Mecca has 15 and Marvin has 1350 or something like that's the kind of, Nathan, when you say it's very plausible, is that the kind of thing you're thinking about? 
Yeah, but it's something in, in that neighborhood. It's not like both these guys are going to push for the, the kind of crazy numbers that we were thinking maybe Jackson Smith and Jigba would get last year. They're, I don't think there's that kind of volume in this offense, especially because I said before, I do sort of think that this could be a slight lean back towards more running this year just because of the makeup of the offense and the fact that it's a first-year quarterback. So let's stay. So let's finish off the quarterback part of this. As we sit here right now, I think we all believe the quarterback play will be good. One of the things that contributed, well, I think two things contributed to my 2,000-yard prediction for Jackson Smith and Jigba last year, which was A, Stephen, as you said, slot. We know how, right, slot. They like to throw the slot. And B, the idea that CJ and Jackson kind of had a thing. And if that's going to be like, hey, that's that's his guy. And you saw that emerge even in 2021. It's like, well, my gosh, it's like CJ wound up looking for Jackson in situations when Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were on the field. What's going to happen when they're not there? He's going to look for Jackson all the time. Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. played high school football together. Does that factor into anything, Stephen? Do you think Kyle McCord might look for Marv because he knows Marv? I think it matters a lot that if Kyle McCord wins the job, a guy that he spent three years winning state championships with and breaking Pennsylvania school records with just so happens to also be the best player in the country, well, best non-quarterback in the country, I think that matters a lot. So if I won't be shocked if the Notre, especially if Kyle McCord wins the job, and I won't be shocked if the Notre Dame game maybe looks like the Penn State game. And it's like, when in doubt, just find 18. Because it worked against Penn State, so I don't see why it wouldn't work for Kyle McCord. I'm so happy. I'm so happy I have target numbers because there was a definite number of targets discussion about Marvin Harrison Jr. in big games that I think we need to have. So if it's Kyle McCord, he might look for Marvin a little bit more, but anybody who's playing quarterback with half a brain would say, I don't know, throw to that guy. So we we do not think, in the end, Nathan, we do not think the quarterback play will in any way hold back the statistical options for Marvin Harrison Jr. But I do think a year ago, again, when I'm throwing out crazy Jackson numbers, part of it is it's second year CJ. How good is CJ going to be? Right. And then what winds up happening is they, they didn't want to chuck it around. They actually wanted to run it. Jackson got hurt. Who knows what Jackson would have done, but, even if Jackson had been healthy all year, he wasn't going to get the 2,000 yards the way they were playing. But C.J. Stroud was a really good quarterback who was the number two pick in the draft. So it's not like C.J. didn't live up to it. I do think, Nathan, if we agree, not going to be held back by quarterback. I'll throw this out of here now. I'm not predicting a 2,000-yard season from Marvin Harrison Jr. Just because I'm also not expecting the Ohio State quarterback to be at the level that C.J. Stroud was as a second-year starter, Nathan, and that's part of it, right? Yeah, and I think especially it was part of it last year when you looked at Marvin Harrison Jr. in the season that he had. Like I said, it wasn't a lot of yards after the catch. That's one area of his game that he really wants to grow, and I, I think it will. I think when you look historically where other great receivers typically drift towards, I think there's going to be a jump there. We'll talk about that later, but a lot of what he did, a lot of what Marvin Harrison Jr. specifically did was the connection he had with C.J. Stroud and being on the receiving end of C.J. Stroud's ability to read a defense and his precision and, and, and trusting Marvin Harrison Jr. to make plays on the ball in, in a moment. And that is, I don't know that that will be eradicated, but it has to be 
lessened somewhat, just as it would have been if Marvin Anderson Jr. had been a year ahead of schedule and were playing with C.J. Stroud in 2021. I don't think the connection would have been quite the same. I think there was an, an evolution in both of their games that led to what you saw last year. So I, it's as I was coming up with my number, it wasn't like I reduced, it wasn't like I came up with a number and then took only a fraction of that because it's Tom McCorder, Devin Brown. But I kind of, as I was doing some whatever ciphering of, of numbers, I, I kind of held myself back from jumping too far with it because of what we're talking about. Even as Marvin Harrison Jr. improves, it's natural to assume the quarterback play can still be very good, but might not be third year, second year starter CJ Stroud. The yards after the catch thing is, I mean, he's brought it up a couple of times. Yeah. That's something he wants to improve, but also like, just cause I wrote about it. I have the stat. He had, 323 of his yards came after the catch last year. That's 4.2 yards per catch for a guy who averaged 16.4 yards per catch. That was tied for 199th in the country. So that is like a, a, I mean, for a guy who has a lot of tools, that is one thing where he is below average right now. And that's not shocking for a dude who's 6'4", 205. So if that's something he improves on, that also raises his ceiling for how many yards he can have, even if he has the same exact amount of touches he had this year. Okay. Quick break when we come back. Other things that are affecting our predictions on MHJ's 2023 season. Next on Buckeye Talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Nathan, so you brought up stylistic choices, run-pass balance, how they're going to want to attack people. How did you factor that into your evaluation here? And again, I wound up being 180 degrees wrong on this last year. I thought it's like, all right, well, I don't know. I'm going to come out in 2022 with CJ in year two, with Jackson, with Marv, and then you got to chuck it around. Just chuck it around. And they were like, no, we want to prove to people we can run the ball. So now here we are. It's a huge factor. What do you think it's going to be? So while I think it's a huge factor in the offense overall, I don't know that I think it's going to necessarily change Marvin Harrison Jr.'s targets. Right? I mean, he is still a focal point in this offense. And I think even if you decrease the number of times that you throw the ball overall, I don't think you want to decrease the number of times that the ball is going towards Marvin Harrison Jr. So that's what they kind of have to uh, reconcile is there's a lot of reasons why you would think as the base foundation of this offense to really try to uh, run the ball effectively and and do it even more than he did last year or not, not, not a ton. I'm not saying it's going to be like a two to one ratio but a slight lean back in that area, but you've still got to get the ball to the best player in college football. 
So I think it affects the offense overall. I'm actually not sure it's going to affect Marvin Harrison Jr. much overall. Steven, how do, how do you factor it in? I think I agree with Nathan, but that's probably where I'm coming from is even if, I mean, they ran the ball more last year than I thought he, than both of us thought that they may maybe do it. So maybe they lean more back in the other way of they look at the Georgia game, go, that's our formula. Maybe we should do more of that more often. And so maybe you throw the ball even more, but even regardless of which way you lean, Marvin Harrison Jr. is a guy they're going to put the ball in the hands of. And so I don't think it, any, whatever, whatever they do doesn't really impact that much how they use Marvin Harrison Jr. and how much he gets the ball. So how much do you believe, Stephen, defenses will take him away, will successfully take him away, will lean his way so much that that reduces the target number? Because it's like, well, oh, my gosh, they're, they're double teaming Marv. All the safety helps over there. It's Julian one-on-one. We think Julian can smoke their third best corner on the opposite side, and we're just going to throw to Julian. Do you think that will have any kind of substantive impact on Marv's stats? No. And it's because I think that they're going to move Marv all over the place. I actually kind of believe them in this idea this year that guys can play anywhere. Cause Brian Hartland, when we got talked to guys on Tuesday, he said something. He was like, the, the X receiver is just a guy who's opposite side of the formation. He's on the backside. So he's, and the Z receiver is always on the same side as the tight end. Well, all you gotta do is move the tight end in motion. All of a sudden your X receiver comes with your Z receiver, your Z receiver becomes your X receiver. They showed some things in the Georgia game where they were moving bringing Marvin in motion into the slot. They were putting the tight end on the same side as him. So now he's a Z receiver. I think they're going to do enough here to where I don't think any team can just take Marvin away for too long. I think there's that. And I also think, so complete distance, fill in this blank. Julian Fleming is the blank best receiver in the Big Ten. (laughs) This is like fourth. Like, like who, who is better than him besides Harrison and Nabuka? Yeah. And I don't think I don't think we're being homers here. I'm talking, I'm talking about just like demonstrably what is on the field. Now we don't know. There's got several guys just left the Big Ten. There could be some younger guys who step up and improve themselves. But you know what I'm saying? Like I think if yeah. you're an opposing defense, as much as you want to um, have an awareness of Marvin Harrison Jr. at all times, as far as what you schematically do on the field and where you're loading a defense, how much can you really afford? to overcorrect towards him when the other guys on the field are Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming, and then whoever you're going to beyond that. I mean, how many, how many teams are they going to play who don't have one receiver that would be in Ohio state's top, whatever number, four, five, six, eight. And I'm not even just talking about the non-conference games. Like there's gonna be conference opponents who, who their defenses don't face anything like this, even in practice. So that's why I think, Yes, it's going to be – I think you have to – if you're an opposing defense, you have to come at this in other ways. You have to rattle the quarterback and rush the quarterback and and screw him up more than you have to rely on your three-slash-low four-star cornerback to defend Marvin Harrison Jr. one-on-one or to overload things, overcorrect things, overemphasize something schematically that's going to leave other guys wide open. I think I'm looking at this right. Top nine Big Ten receivers last season in receiving yards per game. The only two back are Marvin Emeka. Yep. The other seven are gone. Keon Coleman transferred from Michigan State to Florida State. Charlie Jones from Purdue is gone to the NFL. Trey Palmer's gone from Nebraska. All those kind of guys. Jaden Reed's gone. So point taken on that. Okay. So so let's talk 
Marv targets then because I'm, I'm so excited to have the stats. Last year, do you guys want to guess Marv's average targets per game last season, what the number was? Want to venture a Well, so a I think – doesn't PFF have the targets? That's what I use. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, I don't want to answer. I don't have to guess. I can tell you what they said. Okay. <laughs> I just have it written down as well. So um, you just said. Okay, so you so – all excited about the target <laughs> stats. And you guys are like, hey, that's, that's two. What are you talking about? So 9.2 is 9.2, what you guys are looking that's at? That's correct. Yeah. 9.01 is – 9.07 is what I saw, but yeah, roughly. So I have that tied for 37th in the country, 14th in the power five in number of targets, which is, you know, good, but I don't know, maybe could be a little more. Jackson's year is so weird. It's like you can't even reference 2021 because he basically had two seasons because Jackson in breaking Ohio State's all-time record had 8.6 targets per game, which is less than that. But... Once they started throwing to him, Jackson's targets in the last five games of the year, 17, 10, 10, 12, 16. Yep. And in the beginning of the year, it was 2, 11, 3, 6, 6, 6, 6, 7. So Garrett missed the Nebraska game. He got 17 targets and went nuts. And then they just kept throwing the ball to him. And then neither Garrett nor Chris were there in the Utah Rose Bowl. And he had 16 targets in that game. So trying to use like Jackson as a target reference is, is not great. Devontae Smith, his Heisman year, averaged 11.4 targets per game. Jamar Chase, 2019, averaged nine targets per game. And Those so two seasons. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah, I had Jefferson like 8.9 or something. Yeah. So this is part of it too. It's like, how much do you think Emeka is Justin Jefferson? If Emeka Ibuka is Justin Jefferson, well, then we're probably not in a world where you're going to super lean hard into one guy. And they Devontae he's referenced Smith, that. He they've, he's referenced him. Mecca numerous times has referenced the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Not just because they're good, but it's like, like what the pairing is and how like you yeah. got like this physical big play X receiver, and then this dude who just like racks up catches on the slot and just makes everything happen. And then now obviously they're being used all over the place in the NFL. So the most targets that Marv had in the game last year was twelve. He didn't have a game over twelve. Devontae Smith right. had. Devontae Smith in his Heisman year had six games of 13 targets or more. Jamar Chase in 2019 had two games of 13 targets or more. Mm -hmm. This is, by what I looked at, Marv's targets per game. 11, 9, 6, 6, 6, 9, 10, 12, 8, 12, 10, 10, 10. So remarkably similar. And the sixes are like, oh, it's Toledo and Rutgers and games where they have a huge lead and they take him out. But he averaged 9.2, and they pretty much threw him the ball about 10 times every game. So let me bring up one in particular. 48 passes in the Michigan game for Ohio State. These are the targets. Emeka, 15. Marv, 10. Cade Stover, 7. Julian Fleming and Xavier Johnson, 6 each. And everybody else, 4. So, Nathan, I think my opinion on the Marvin targets is nine or ten a game makes sense. But when it's money time, I don't think ten targets on 48 passes in the Michigan game is enough for Marvin Harrison Jr. So this is 
doubling back, folding in to the conversation we've had many, many times now. What does Ohio State do best? Throw the ball. What do they have to do to beat Michigan? Throw the ball successfully. Well, CJ averaged 350 passing yards per game in the last two Michigan games, and they still lost. This is a little bit of a thing, Nathan, of like, okay, 15 targets for Mecca, that's great. But like this, this feels like not exactly a red flag, but I don't think Marv can have 20% of your targets in the Michigan game when he's the most dangerous receiver in college football. It has to be higher, Nathan. So to me, I'm good on the regular, st- like the average game and even the Penn State game, Stephen, that you were referencing, 12 targets. It's not like it's 17. He had 10 mm. catches on 12 targets. So that is nine or 10 normal games. But when it's time to win, I am interested in some 15 target games for Marvin Harrison Jr., Nathan. What do you think? I totally understand where you're coming from. I, and it's, it's a premise that I, on paper you obviously support. Now, obviously, when you're pulling one game out of it, there's a lot of context that's missing. Because to some extent, with an offense with this many weapons, you're taking what the defense gives you. So there's a, there's a fine line there between how much are you forcing it to Marvin Harrison Jr. and how much is, is forcing it to him not worth it if you can get the easy completion to Emeka Buka. So uh, the number that jumped out to me there a little bit was 12 combined targets for Fleming and Xavier Johnson. Like that's where I think the balance could probably, do you find a way to get the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. two more times? And and how does that change the complexion of a game, especially a tight one like that? I see where you guys are coming from. I just don't agree with it. I think I'm, and I, I think it's because you guys are coming at it from the perspective of how can the offense help Marv in terms of just getting him the ball. I am more in the corner of, how can Marv help himself by just doing more? So since we're going to bring the the LSU comparison up, Jamar Chase also averaged like 20 yards per catch last that season, and he had 684 yards after the catch. So he was – it's not just the fact that like he was catching it every time he got it because he had the same uh, – around the same number of targets. He had 121 targets in 2019. So it's like the same usage. He just did more. With the ball, and you use the term most dangerous with Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't agree with that. I think he's the best wide receiver. I don't think he's Wait, the most. Stop, dangerous. stop, stop, stop. We are now officially moving into the Stephen Mean zone of I love the receiver, and then as soon as we come, then I'm on to the next guy. You true. are That's transitioning. We are dangerous. moving to a mecha time. Also, You've okay. gone no, from no, no, you no, are no, no, a no. serial, no. serial not- receiver dater. Your your relationship with receivers last four months, and then you're on to the next one. You're like, I love Garrett. No, I love Jackson. I love Marv. Now I love Emeka. That's not what I'm saying. Stephen Smith is saying, I'm not saying. You're saying Marvin Harrison Jr. is not their most dangerous receiver. You're going to like, well, he's the best, but he's not the most dangerous. You'd rather get – go ahead. I'm just preparing people because serial receiver dater. Steven Means. Joel Klatt said he's the best non-quarterback talent in the history of college football. And you're yeah. about to say, well, he's Noah Mecca. Yeah, Joel, yeah, Joel stole my bus keys and then turned it into a rocket ship. No, and then no, for- you don't get your bus. You sold your bus. You know what you do? You don't buy buses, you lease buses. You're a bus leaser. So you can get the new brand new model next year. 
Why do you sound? I so drive hurt? the same. I've had the same bus. Uh, no, because you don't get to claim. You don't. You're like a uh, claim. You're throwing out. You redo your wardrobe every year. I have shirts that are older than you are. Stephen Means. Stephen Means is like I wore that shirt three times. I'm gonna throw it away. I do do that. No, but what what I am saying though is, Ameka Abuka is more dangerous at, right now. But after, of what we've seen from them, Ameka Ibuka is more dangerous with the ball in his hands than Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Garrett Wilson, as an ex-receiver, when the ball got into his hands, was more dangerous than what Marvin Harrison has been as the ex-receiver. Can that change? Yeah, I think it can change. I, he would like that to change. That's why he keeps bringing up the yards after catch thing. But last year, he was elite route runner, elite ball catcher. So the next step is, can you now catch the ball and then go do something with it? If he can go do that, that's why I'm using the Jamar Chase as an example, because Jamar Chase was also those first two things while he also added that third thing, and that's what made him dangerous. Right now, Marvin Harrison is the most reliable. I know he's going to show up in the big games. I don't know every time he's going to have the explosive play where, as he said, turn something that's 20 yards into 60 yards. And that's when I think of dangerous, when a dude can do that. I feel like they don't throw him those kind of routes as much, though. It feels like he's he's much more contested no. catch, like yeah. box a guy and, out, make a play on the ball in the air, like over a guy and a guy's right mm-hmm. there, and then you don't have the opportunity to catch the ball on the move and, and keep going. But, but is that a, a result of where his development was at that time? Because with Garrett, it was – the, it was the contested catches too, but they also threw him bubble screens and the jet sweeps and the pop passes and all that stuff as well. But he didn't get all that whole package until year three. That's all I'm saying is that in year two of what Marvin Harrison Jr. was, he probably wasn't ready to be a guy who could consistently do stuff after the catch. That's probably where he's headed this season, which is why they feel comfortable moving him all over the place. They threw the ball to Kate Stover on fourth and two in the Michigan game, right? Nathan, I mean, yeah. one of these things is it's like we're having this conversation again. This this folds back in. They put up good passing yards against Michigan, but how many points did they score in the second half, Nathan? Three. Three. That's the Nathan Baird stat of the year. Three points in the second half. I, I, I think more Marv could help that. And and here's the thing. It's a great, right? Yes, you have to take what the defense gives you. But if the defense says, well, we're not going to give you any Marv, you don't take zero Marv. You have to get the ball to this guy. Now, I guess the point of like, well, if he's not as much as yards after the catch guy, so we can't just flip him little stuff and, and, and hope that he breaks a tackle and runs away from a guy and makes stuff on his own. This really is more about running some routes, you know, beating coverage, that kind of thing. And if he's constantly double teamed or whatever, they're shading the coverage that way. It makes it more difficult. I'm for force beating your best player in big moments. So to me, if they get to a situation and they throw the ball 48 times in the Michigan game again this year, and Marvin Harrison Jr. only has 10 targets, I think that's a failure. You know, maybe again, whatever. What does that mean? I just, you're not maximizing because, you know, like this is the thing when, I think throwing the ball is better than running the ball in modern football. But if you really want to hand the ball to your running back, you know what? Michigan's not like, well, I can't really hand it to Donovan Edwards. They're kind of taking him away. It's like, we're going to hand him the ball and we're going to until it works. And I think Ohio State has to lean. You got this guy here. You develop this guy. Let him help you go beat Michigan and beat Notre Dame and beat Penn State. And, you know, the Penn State's the good example. 10 catches, 12 targets. They don't win that game. 
without Marv on offense or JT on defense. But I think when we're talking about total targets, Nathan, I think it should go up because I think it should go up into big games. I, I agree with you uh, from a play calling standpoint. You know what I mean? Like, I think you, 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 you have to maybe come up with some decisions from the sideline in those situations that get Marvin Harrison the ball rather than rely on your quarterback to, to make that decision that forces it in there. Cause I think that's where you get in trouble. So what can they do? What, what about this past season uh, kind of open their eyes to maybe how they can. And that goes back to something Steven mentioned earlier, which is how much are they going to move him around this year and keep defenses honest that way. And I think that it is going to happen more. I, I think they have to. Because just the, the combination of factors between whether it's a new quarterback and and the way defenses are going to come after him and, and, and try to stop him, I, I would I, I think just moving him around and making defenses think on their feet is, is going to be crucial on all downs, but especially those ones you're talking about those 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 season season changing downs. So there's the how's the quarterback affected? There's the how do they choose to go about attacking a defense? Balancing it with the run game, balancing it with the Mecca Buka and Julian Fleming and Cade Stover and everybody else. And then um, I do th- think like there's just the general conversation, Stephen, of how much do stats really reflect how good of a receiver that you are? So when we talk about, could, it's not the same thing, Stephen. It's the shorthand for how we all reference it, but it's not the exact same thing. But do you think, Stephen, we could have a season where Marv just matches his receiving total from last year? It's another 12.63, but we are simultaneously saying that guy's the best player in college football. I cannot believe how good he was this year. But then you look down at the stats and it's 12.63 because there's a part of me that looks down at the stats from last year and says it's only 1263. Yeah. It sort yeah. of felt like more like, could we be there again? Or if he has 1263, would that mean like, uh, it didn't quite go as, as everybody hoped for whatever reason, the tackles didn't hold up. Quarterback play wasn't as good. The play calling transition didn't really work. And that 1263 would be, you know, if he's healthy would be quote, a disappointment or can it be a barn burning 1263? It depends on what it looks like and who it's against, because that was the case this past year. It's the fact that he had three, he had three catches for 18 yards and a touchdown against Rutgers. Okay. It's Rutgers. He was, people are going to look at that and go, Oh, it's because probably he was sitting on the sideline in the second half. The Wisconsin game got out of hand so quickly that there was no reason to throw the ball. So him having three for 45 cares, but Penn State, 10-185. The Michigan State game, which is like on ABC, and everybody's watching, and he's doing all this freaky stuff. So it's like, does he – he – coaches used to say this a lot when I was a kid. When the lights are on, it's time to perform. Marvin performs when those lights are on, and everybody's paying attention to him. And I think that's going to matter more than whatever he does – against young like is anybody going to dock him if he only has like two catches for 25 yards against Youngstown State probably not as long as against the in Michigan the Heisman race will the Heisman race will yeah but but that's a that's a that's a fine line to draw with wide receivers anyway like you got to be on every single week to win that type of award but to win the Belitnikoff award it's like did you have 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns against Michigan 
Did you have nine catches for 145 yards and a touchdown against Notre Dame? That's, I think, what's going to matter more. Because it's, it's just hard with anybody who's not a quarterback to envision a Heisman race this early in May. Yeah, the Heisman thing is is you have to be so over the top numbers wise that I I I don't think we're talking about two different things there. I mean, it's it's one of his is his yardage total. I think at the end of the day, as long as it's in this neighborhood of what we're talking about, is not going to have any effect on how good Ohio State. Is. I mean, how their outcome is like. And as far as like his numbers looking underwhelming last year. So maybe just in terms of sheer yardage, but there were two power five receivers who had more than 10 touchdown catches last year who averaged more than 14 yards a catch. And they were both well over 14 yards a catch. Marvin Harrison, 16.4, Jalen Hyatt, 18.9. So when you look at the full body of work, it's not just the, just the yardage can be a misleading stat. It's what are you doing with every catch and how often are you getting in the end zone? And Marvin Harrison Jr. is, has shown Definitely, he knows what to do on the second half of that thing, even if he didn't get to Steven's stratospheric prediction. And also, I think he has given us reason to think that the first half of that was already really strong compared to everybody in the country and could be even better this year. It is odd, a little odd, that like nobody in the country got to 1,400 receiving yards last year. It's kind of interesting. Like there's, you know, we're talking about, because one of the lines in the sand for me, right? This couple, the main line in the sand is, will he break Jackson's record? I, I, I really think that's the main discussion point of this. Will Marvin Harrison Jr. put up the biggest receiving season in Ohio State football history? So like that to me, if you're really getting down to it, if we were not making a prediction, but if this was a yes, no question, I, I my, my yes, no wouldn't be, 100 yards per game, it wouldn't be 2,000 yards for the season, it would be will he break the record. But if we're talking about that, again, Jackson, it's whatever, 1606, nobody in the nation, Nathan, got the, it was 1398 led the nation last year. I almost like, what are people doing? Are people not throwing the ball anymore? So I, I have some more numbers from a Power 5 perspective, but one of the things is that you know, Ohio State was late to the party in the evolution of the passing game in college football, but Jackson's year, and that's the thing about Jackson's year, it's like, well, it was this, but also was supplemented by a 350-yard game in the bowl game, which is like, okay, that's what takes that from, if he just has a normal game in the bowl game, that he's like third all-time in Ohio State history, he's not first. So that wraps into it, but we do, I think it's worth remembering that it's not like, you know, 1606 for Jackson in 2021 was third in the country, first in the Power Five. And last year, nobody got higher than 1398, Nathan. So we do have to remember, it's not like people are dropping 2,000-yard seasons all over the place. No, exactly. And uh, we may be, uh, in retrospect, we're a little bit a little bit over our skis last year. I mean, we were all predicting Jackson Smith and Jigwe 1,800 yards and above. And the fact that he was the slot guy with C.J. Stroud, I, I, I would defend how the, the upper echelon of what we were looking at there. But that extreme also, again, proved how hard this is to like perform statistically at an exceptionally high level in multiple years. Because a lot of these other names that we've dropped, whether it's Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or uh, Devontae Smith, it's not like they have multiple 15, 16, 1800 yard seasons in their careers. Like it's, it's rare. Okay. When we come back, it's going to be time to mark it down. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Steven, 
350-3315 if you'd like to be a tech subscriber. You send the text to that number. You get back a link. You sign up for a two-week free trial. Last 14 years of college football. In the Power Five, if we're trying to set the 1606 from Jackson as some kind of number, last 14 years, there have been 11 total receivers in Power Five football to have more yards than that. So it's fewer than one per year. Of those 11, six are Big 12 chucking around dudes. Baylor guys and Oklahoma State guys and a Missouri guy before they left the Big 12 and a West Virginia guy when they got to the Big 12. Like the no defense, chuck it around, run and shoot, air raid. It's not really comparable to what Ohio State's trying to do. That's six of the 11. Here are the other five guys. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm going to predict that Marvin will break Jackson Smith and Jigba's record. In the last 14 years in Power 5 football, non-chuck-it-around Big 12 guys, here's the five guys who are above Jackson. 2012, Marquise Lee at USC. He went on to be a second-round pick in the NFL. Good receiver. 2013, Brandon Cooks at Oregon State. Went on to be a first-round pick in the NFL. He's still around. Brandon Cooks has made a nice career for himself. 2014, Amari Cooper. Third in the Heisman race, very familiar to Ohio State fans. They beat Amari Cooper in the playoff semifinal, wound up being the fourth pick in the draft. And then the two reference points that we keep using. 2019, Jamar Chase went on to be the fifth pick. 2020, Devontae Smith wins the Heisman, goes on to be the number 10 pick. That's not a lot of people, Nathan. But I think that's a decent cohort to try to envision Marv joining, which is the 1606 or more in a... An offense that's not a chuck it around at all costs, an offense that's elite talent across the board that's trying to win and not just put up stats. It's not a big group, but could you envision Marvin in that group when we talk about, and again, we're going to have a million pockets about how good he is. This is stats. This is a statistic. Could you imagine him in this statistical group when you hear those five names, Nathan? I, I do. I think there's a couple of factors to remember here, though. Number one is, you know, we've brought up Jackson Smith the Jigbo a few times, but there is a difference. Even if they're going to move Marvin Harrison around, there is a difference between being the primary slot receiver at Ohio State and being a, a more perimeter receiver. Um, the other thing, though, is just the number of games played. And I guess we'll talk about that more in our, our prediction, but um, that's going to be a big factor here. But I, I've tried to find other I tried to find comparable guys who were the same sort of style of receiver. I thought that was important. And, and because the offense can vary, like sometimes you're the, you're one of two great guys like LSU 2019 in a very heavy passing offense. Maybe you're the one great guy in an offense that doesn't throw the ball that much. Um, But I think there's comparables in both, both segments. Okay. Let me start with where the texters went. And I gave them maybe too many categories, and people are like, it's supposed to be fun. Like, what? What is this? I'm at work. I'm supposed to pick between nine different categories of whether Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have 1,411 receiving yards or 1,506. Well, I, I don't know. It's June. Why are you doing this to me? Great ad. <laughs> people are like, hey, how do you encourage people on the podcast to join the texts? By that. I, oh, it feels like homework at work. In the summer, why are you do? So I gave too many categories, but in the end, do you think he's going to break Jackson's record or not? It's not a bad way to do it. 
80% basically no, Stephen. 80% of the votes are not for 16-6 or more. Why do you think that is, Stephen? In a world where we've talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. as one of the most hyped players going into a season in Ohio State history. It's because he's not in the slot. We ha- we haven't spent six months talking about how, look at the connection he has with the quarterback. Oh, look at that connection. We don't know who the quarterback is. And I do think, even with the guys you listed, who were his teammates? Who was the other receiver in the room with them? Like, that matters here. Because when you're the only guy, I think it's more feasible to think that. Because even with Jackson – so much of that 1606 is wrapped up in the Rose Bowl when Garrett and Chris didn't play and the Nebraska game when Garrett didn't play. So like somewhat like something had to be missing for Jackson to really go off like that. So unless you're telling me Emeka and Julian are going to be abducted by aliens, which I mean knock on wood with how this team can sometimes, then this, there's somebody who's going to take away from what Marvin Harrison does, regardless of what the defense is doing, because He's the best receiver in the country, but he's also playing with arguably the second best receiver in the country. And the third guy is like at least top 15. That's probably fair to say. Plus, Kate Stover has proven he probably deserves the ball a little bit. And maybe they get back to throwing the ball to a healthy Travion Henderson as well. So there's just too many options to go all in in this year of one guy is just going to get the ball so much that it breaks records. At least not and this record. If you have, and if you have any hesitation about whether they're going to beat Michigan this year, then Martin Harrison Jr. may only play 12 games. And getting 16-06 out of 12 games is tough. Well, 13, because they'd make right, a bowl. But, but, he wouldn't well, play but he wouldn't play in it. That's my oh, point. yeah, that's true. That's like, true. Most like likely. If they don't back into the playoff by not, you know, if they don't yeah. do exactly what they did last year, then he's in a bowl. He's probably not playing it. That's true. So 19% of the vote, has him under last year's total, Nathan. There's a very slim margin that has him under a thousand, but there's a decent chunk of people. It was the third most popular category. I, I sort of made it between like a thousand and twelve sixty two, which we have him under last year. But just overall, all the different categories, about twenty percent of the people say under last year. What what is that? Is that a hedge on health? Is that People taking him away. I was a little surprised. Yes, all those. Whatever you stopped yourself from listing things, but if you had kept listing things, the answer would have just been yes. Because collectively, like I'm going to predict a number that is more than last year. But if I had to like bet on something, I might bet under. Because if you were to add up just from a math standpoint, percentage of health, and he's shown no health problems at this point, but fluky things can happen. Um, defensive attention, uh, first year quarterback. Uh, the, what we just said about the number of games played, like there's any number of factors that when you take whatever percentage of likelihood you think are there, you stack all those together, it can get you a number where Marvin Harrison Jr. is just as good of a football player or better than he was last year. But the statistical result of that just isn't the same as last year. And that's just one of those things that happens. So the biggest category that won, 60% of the people have him more than last year, but short of Jackson's record. So that's 1263 to 1605, which is, you know, that's 100 yards per game, no matter 
you know, let's say only plays 12 games, but if he plays 13 or 14 or 15 games, and it is the wild card in any kind of statistical prediction for college football, you, you don't know how many number, what, how many games you're predicting. Are you predicting just a regular season, and a bowl game opt out? Are you predicting a big 10 championship game or not a bowl that a guy does play in a playoff semi, you know, it's very reasonable. Anything between 12 and 15 is very reasonable. That's a huge gap. I mean, you know, it's like he could have three 200-yard games in the Big Ten Championship game and two playoff games. That's an extra 600 yards on a prediction like this. So most people are in that range, Stephen, of like a pretty comfortable, you know, like a 13, 14, 15. 1,300 to 1,500, like very, even 1,600, very comfortable, good. I don't think anybody would be disappointed with that. You know, if he gets up and at least like 1425 or whatever it is, he'd be second all time to Jackson, but he doesn't get over the top. That feels like a nice, warm, cozy place to be, Stephen, that there's just a lot of, you can account for a lot of different things. Figure he winds up around 100 yards per game and settle in right there and not have to think about it too much. That's where I landed. He averaged 5.9 catches for 97.2 yards per game last season. When I was coming up with my number, I said that he's just – I just gave him an extra 10-yard catch per game this year. So 6.9 catches for 107.2 yards. And then I just did the math through what that looks like through 12 games, what that looks like through 14 games, what that looks like through 15. I didn't do 13 because you're right. Like, unless somehow it works out the way it did this year, they're not, he's not playing in a bowl game. That's not a playoff game. So I just did the math through 12, 14, and 15 to come up with my answer. All right. So what are you marking down it? How are you marking it down, Stephen? So I gave him uh, the only way he breaks Jackson's record when I did the math was if they play 15 games. And that would be 103, 104 catches for 1,608 yards. That's the only way it does that. I'm not comfortable saying this team is going to the national championship yet because we're not marking that down. I don't have to. So I did the averages of the 12, 13, 14, and 15 game, games and what that would look like. And I came up with 93 catches for 1,447 yards. And also, for the sake of saying it, I know we're not doing this on the spot, but I'm doubling down on Marvin Harrison breaks the touchdown record this year. I think he can get four more touchdowns than he had last year. Like 35? You're doubling your prediction? 35 touchdowns? No, I said year? I'm doubling down. If he gets 35 touchdowns, that's <laughs> – I don't even know what that would look like. If he doesn't break Jackson's record, but he averages five touchdowns per game, would people be disappointed? The first fifty touchdown season in college football history, I don't know. What would I, people think? I, I think that that might that might get him that Heisman you're talking about, regardless of his yardage numbers. Yeah. Maybe. Eleven hundred yards, fifty three touchdowns. I don't know. You just got how could how could it work itself out? All right. Fourteen forty seven. I watched a uh I watched a little documentary about the price is right. The other day, I think it's kind of old. Bob Barker's still alive, by the way. And he was in the documentary. They interviewed him. He was very, very old. But it was about a guy who like studied mm-hmm. the prices right and like figured it out. Nathan's like, oh, I've watched that documentary six times. What are you talking so about? I watched it once. It was interesting. I watched it once. It was interesting. It was yeah. uh, if you grew up like watching the prices well, right when you were homesick from school, which is like four generations of kids have done that. Uh, it was an interesting documentary, Nathan. Yeah. And the, the first, actually, the first time I heard about that story, one of the great magazine writers, Alive, Chris Jones wrote a big takeout of that story several years ago for, I think, Esquire. And uh, that was what was eventually turned into that documentary. But yeah, it's a really compelling story about 
who this guy was and um, how he did it and why he did it. Um, I would, I would definitely, it's a strong recommend. People should watch that documentary. It's fun. I, I felt a little bit bad because I thought the guy in the documentary was pretty interesting. I almost felt like I could hang out with this guy and it felt like he spent most of his life by himself in front of a computer, figuring out the price is right. And I was like, man, you want to <laughs> hang out? You want to go get some wings? What are we doing here? Okay. Nathan, what are you marking down? So uh, just a, a quick tour through my math, how I came up with this. Um, a slight uptick in targets for all the reasons that we talked about that they could be more or less. Um, had, had them for like 129 targets for the year. By, by the way, I'm basing this on 14 games um, because I couldn't bring myself to only say right now in June that Ohio State's only going to play 12 games, but also 13 is a number that's very weird. It'd have to happen in exactly the way last year. So I went 14, 14 games. Um, Basically coming out to, to – I got him to 90 receptions. And then for yardage, I basically took last year's – what he I took the yards after the catch out of his yardage total last year. I took whatever that, that number – that was like 12.2 yards. And then added in yards per after the catch from what I think he could do this year at that. And I took him from like 4.2, whatever he averaged this year, to around like 7, which is still actually kind of on the low end. But I thought I was trying to be – um, conservative in the number I was coming up with. So all that math still got me over 14 games to 1,637 yards. So I still have him breaking the record. Hmm. You guys are doing good math here. I like the math. I like the math. 3,000. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so here, Marvin Harrison Jr. in his career only has two games of more than 140 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. It's the 180 against Arkansas State and the 180 against Penn State. It's just surprising to me. He's just consistent. He is consistent, but I'm waiting for an explosion. Buckeye talk. So my math is simpler than what you guys did. I took 13 games at 110 yards per game. Like, good. Like, good. Consistent. You know, I do think the... Three catches for 18 yards. Maybe that'll hedge up a little bit. It's like, all right, we're going to take Marv out. But, like, I don't know. Do we want to throw him the ball a little bit so he might have 51 yards in this game instead of 18? So you hedge those up a little bit. So your bottom comes up. And then you just have a couple more, like 146s here. You know, that it's not that his consistency is like the two peaks against Arkansas State and Penn State, and then a lot of like 102s. So I just, for those 13 games, 110, and then I gave him an explosion game. So my math is 110 yards per game times 13 is 1,430. And then I threw in a 250-yard game, like the Marvin Har- like the Marv goes nuts game. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Phil Longo chucks it around for Wisconsin. Ohio State feels like it has to score. Wisconsin doesn't really have anybody who can cover him. And Marv goes 14 catches for 261 against Wisconsin. And they need it in a 52-38 win, like that kind of thing. And then the rest of the time, you know, not that he's 110 every game, but like I just think he could have more like 100-yard games. So that got me to 1680. So and I, that's based off a 14-game season, which is, again, I, it's hard to pick a national title game. but that does get over the record. He becomes the single season leader for Ohio State. 
but it doesn't, you know, Devontae Smith again. And, and as the, the thing, Stephen, that you referenced is like, all right, well, I mean, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase did have Justin Jefferson, which we said a thousand times. That's a little different. The whole thing with Devontae Smith is he's not even their number one receiver. Jalen Waddle gets hurt and Devontae mm-hmm. Smith takes over because it's like, well, who else are going to throw to? Mac Jones is like, here, 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 here. So like that, as much as, you know, I, I like that reference point, that part of it would require a focus on Marv that just probably isn't going to exist. Again, Devontae Smith, 11.4 targets per game that year. Marv is at 9.2 last year. I do think there are more opportunities to just sort of force it to him in some games. And I, I'd like to see a 16-target game in there somewhere, Stephen. And it doesn't mean every week. But there, when you look, and again, it's it's a very hard comparison because the depth of talent at Ohio State is so different. This is Charlie Jones at Purdue, who again was an Iowa guy who transferred to Purdue last year. It was like a one-man offense for Purdue last season. He averaged 12.2 targets per game. These were his targets. 19, 10, 14, 11, 10, 7, 16, 13, 19, 7, 8, 9, 16. So he has two 16s, two 19s, and a 14, Stephen. And I know this isn't that. I know. I know that. I know that. But there's a part of me that's like, well, if Charlie Jones could have five games of 14 or more, could Marv have two? Could Marv have two? That's all. And that would require, I think, a, you know, we're going to do this. Or we're gonna we're gonna move him around the formation to make sure they can't do what they want to do to stop him, and so if you do that, I think you tick up a little bit, Stephen. But I don't know. Maybe I'm too focused on that. There's something there, and how many games does he have? Where it's just like let's just get it to Marv, which is why I, I am so hyper focused on the yards after the catch. I I just want to see him be more explosive with it when he gets it, because really the Georgia game was the the epitome of that. Because looking at he had six games where he had at least where he averaged 15 yards or less per catch last season, and he only had two games where he averaged at least 20 yards per catch, and that was the Arkansas State game where he also had three touchdowns, and then the Georgia game before he got knocked out, he was averaging 21.2 yards per catch. So it's like, can he just be more explosive? when he gets that ball in his hands, because right now I have a hard time envisioning when you say when Marv goes nuts, I don't think yards first. I think, Oh, he had three touchdowns right now. So if he can combine the, he gets in the end zone, but also it's like Marv had like four plays where he had like 30 yard catches. Right. And some of it is because he literally just had a 30 yard catch. And some of it is because it was a, seven yard slant he broke off the first dude and the safety just he just beat the safety and he ended up getting more yards than he should have gotten in that play so it is some of it is on how do they use him but it's like what does he do with the ball in his hands can he be more explosive than he was last year because that's the only if you want to call it flaw in his game right now you you mentioned not having any games over what was it 130 in 2021 so garrett wilson and the x had zero games over 130 at five games, he was between 117 and 126. There's some of this that I wonder mm. if this is just what the X receiver does in Ohio State's offense for the most point, for the most part. So I think Marvin Harrison Jr. can be better. I think he is. I mean, if he's putting his mind to being better at yards after the catch, he's going to be better at yards after the catch. Just That's just what happens here. This is what he is. He's that kind of machine. And so I think that'll happen. But I think the moving him around, there may be routes 
that he will run in 2023 that open him up to some of these bigger plays that he just wasn't running as much in 2022 because that wasn't his role in the offense, the same as it wasn't for Garrett Wilson before him. All right, final markdown. I am at 1,680. Nathan is at 1,637. Steven is at 1,447. That means Nathan and I predict that he will break the Ohio State single season record. Steven has him coming up a little bit short. So make your kids mark it down. Hey, kids, what's your Marv number? Make your parents, make your siblings, make your friends, make your aunts, make your uncles, make your cousins, make your coworkers, make your neighbors. You're standing at the fence. You're talking about your tomatoes. Also say, what's your Marv number? I would like the Ohio State fan base across the country this June to be asking each other, what's your Marv number? Mark it down. We'll do more of these. We do it on Mondays. We'll have some lined up through the course of the summer and then into August. We like making these predictions. It makes us get down. And again, uh, the statistical stuff is very informative. It's not the same thing as being good. So we know Marv's good, but what will that mean statistically? That's what we wanted to dive into here. Okay, for now, we appreciate you guys making us part of your week. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>